Blog Talk Radio. A dog inherited $5 million. I think I speak for everyone when I say, Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? I'm Brett Singer. This is my show. Hey, hey, it's Brett from the Bunker. I am here. It is Friday. It is February 19th. The year is 2021, and it is 11 a.m. Very exciting. Not too early, not too late, so that's good. I am joined today by James Mattern. James, how you doing? Buddy, I'm okay. I love the intro, and I love the intro music. This is terrific. Oh, thank you. That, that is me. That is, that is me playing the guitar. Buddy, I didn't expect that. It's got me fired up. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> You gotta get gotta get pumped up when you go when you're going on the air. That's always very important. So you are you are off doing live shows. Yes, buddy. I am doing what what uh God intended, I believe, um, to have people performing surrounded by snow. And so who am I not <laughs> to listen to to God and his intentions? And so you're outside in the snow. Yeah, yes. It's it's uh there's like a dome, like a tent. It kinda looks like I know you're a fellow nerd so it kind of looks like you're playing in the rebel base from empire strikes back yeah um, on hot two sides and at times when it's surrounded by snow you also feel like you're in an episode of uh batman the animated series you really feel like you're in one of the intro cards when there's like a snow globe oh so wow right i remember that yes okay yeah that's funny that's really funny but people are coming yeah. out yeah, I mean it's insane. It's pretty wild. It's 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 kind of humbling. It's like uh, it proves that people still want to be entertained and to laugh. And so, God bless them. But it is. If you told me a year ago, I would be shivering with three layers on and doing stand up. I would have been like, "What? Come on, you're nuts." And this so what, is reality now. What what kind of adjustments do you have to make when you're doing a show like that? Oh man. Well, you got to remember that. It, it's weird. A lot of people don't like to to clap when they're freezing. I mean, there's heated like like things, lamps, and all that, so that helps. But uh, the way people act is different. It's it's gonna be they're a little more reserved. They're just scared to move. Well, sometimes I get upset in my head, and I realize, yeah, when I'm cold, I don't want to like move to get a sip of water, and it's two inches from me. So I get it. Right. No, they're not like constantly. Like, hey, how y'all doing? They're not going to give you that clap a lot of times. Let's have some fun tonight. It's like, no, nah, why don't you get a couple jokes going and then we'll consider it. <laughs> so, I mean, you're you're a terrific host. You're very good at reading the crowd. I mean, how do you know kind of when to move from crowd work into material and that kind of thing? I just kind of feel it out, man. You look at it. Uh, I have noticed this, like, and this will tie back into the, the previous question. All these outdoor shows, all these new shows, and I did something indoors, socially distanced last week in a showroom, and I, but I've noticed that audiences now want you to work harder. So uh, if you're just standing there telling jokes, there's a chance you might lose them. But if you start moving and burning calories or going off the dome, they kind of love it. it, it it's, I'm noticing that in almost every show. I have been doing in the last like couple months. We really need to work harder. It looks like, and so it's like uh, just just 
minute minute something dips a little, I'll just like look at someone and say something, and that's just uh that's the insight, the the instincts, that's the fight or flight that's happening now. How do you develop that muscle, that crowd that crowd work muscle? Is it just constant reps? That and also uh, probably, <laughs> probably where it comes from for me. It's like, wait, wait, come on. Well, hey, look at him. He looks like this. Oh, okay, kid, we can hang out. Like that's probably what it comes from. Probably deep deep depression and being screwed up. That's probably what it is. Do you find that you say a lot of the same stuff over and over again, or is it really new every time? There are some beats. Yo, so when I used to have no jokes and I was just like a high wire act, like it's just that, I would have lines that I would use and they work. And you get to a point where even if there isn't someone who fits that, you would say it, which is kind of like dicey and kind of like hacky. Uh, I can admit it now. I have said the same thing twice in a set. And you really, you look like the double chest hack of the life, of the biggest of the lifetime. You do the same crowd work line, not even joke, but crowd work line in a set. Oh, it's so embarrassing. So crazy. Oh, so you like repeat yourself. And that, that yeah, that's got to, that, that's got to knack at the audience oh. on your side. At that point, you should just like, all right, I'm done. I'm quitting. I'm done. You just feel right. so, oh my God. People are like, really, you can't remember what you just said three minutes ago? Like, how, long did, no, how, how, long did, how long did it take to get good at that, to get good at the crowd work? Oh, man. Well, like I said, I just, this is what, that's like my natural thing that I just do. So I don't know, I don't know why. I mean, I think I'm sharp because, like, I grew up in an Italian house, and if you were funny and, and quick on your uh, your wits, uh, you get an extra piece of chicken cutlet on Sunday. So that mm-hmm. probably worked from and I was raised by my grandparents and I had to be witty that was like kind of my defense mechanism with things so just doing that is just like something I do um like you do it over and over though you'll you'll still make that muscle sharper but I kind of feel like that's uh like I'm not like a strong dude but I was born with good calves and I feel like (laughs) being able to like do crowd work was my nice calves everything else I I have to kind of go work out on right so, so you were a natural. You that was something you were just good at. Yeah, I mean, I still, you know, you're, you're not na- you're like great from the jump, but it, that was something I was like decent at from the from the jump. Like it was just there. So you're saying you started out like you said it was a high wire act. So for a while, did you not write jokes? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So I started like writing like performance pieces, and then I think I just got bored and wasn't doing well, and I just started talking to the crowd. And just realized, oh, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And when I moved to New York, I was going to really try and, like, great artists and say things. And then I look back at it, and everything I was saying was trash. It's just the worst. And then I just ad-libbed and started talking to people. I'm like, oh, this is this feels fun. And so I just abandoned everything else and went in that direction for years. Wow. Yeah. Are there Have there been kind of versions of your comedy development like at one point you were like this at one point you were like this that's what it sounds like oh yeah man there was uh there was definitely phases which makes it sound like i'm a moody teen which is probably true come on (laughs) we're all just winona Ryder in the late 80s and early 90s let's just be real um yeah dude i mean i've had all kinds of phases i i was trying to be like a lenny bruce sarah silverman when i moved to new york trying to do all this edgy 
stuff about racism and I was going to solve racism by, by being this, this edgy comic. And then you realize, no, I'm just uh, a hack with maybe one decent joke. So I'm going to abandon that. I had all kinds of thought. I had went a couple of years where I wasn't going to do crowd work and I was just standing in one place, hands in my pockets, doing jokes. Yuck. <laughs> it's fun to look back at and realize you really thought you were figuring it out and you didn't figure out nothing. It's fun. Right. It's humbling. Interesting. Interesting. Cause I mean, I, I cause I feel like that's happening with me too. Although I, I can't say I had a, I didn't have a point where I thought I was uh, ending racism or anything like that. That was definitely not a phase that I went through. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's a little different. So, so you've been doing this a while and now you have the podcast commissioner of comedy, which is terrific. Yes, sir. And what was Thank the motivation you, behind doing that? Uh, the motivation, uh, so I w- would be in green rooms a lot, and um, I would see, like, people just, like, doing, like, bad habits. Like, it, it, something as simple as, like, running off the stage before the host gets up there. Or um, newcomers who aren't on the, like, show, just just walking in the green room, pontificating, holding court to strangers they don't know. People have been doing it for years, interrupting the uh, the comics, um, bringing in their smelly food when they're not in the show. Like just someone just brought in like fish. It just stunk up the green room Ugh. and Ugh. and wanted to like talk and like tell us about the business. The eight months this person's been in it, and I like I would always turn to someone and be like, "Yo, comedy needs a commissioner. I'm gonna I'm gonna run for commissioner comedy." So it was like a joke, and then. I got asked to do a podcast, and they're like, "What did you? What would you want to do?" I'm like, "I should just talk about these things that I care about in comedy." And then someone's like, "Yeah, and you should use that that silly name that you give yourself at the grade room." <laughs> like, okay. And there it is, dude. And there it is. That's good. That's good. It's it's. I think it's been very popular, and people are really into it. So as they should be, because it's a good way to learn about comedy, and also it's just nice to talk about it. To like, you know, to kind of check in. And to hear about topics like, you know, there was one working dirty and, you know, bombing and things of that nature. And it's sort of like, oh, okay, these are things that matter to me. This is interesting. This is interesting to me. So if I need to sit in with a podcast, this is a good place for me to go. This is a nice, a nice way for me to get to get some of that, to get some meat. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's just like, we all talk about this. Like you, you think, you know, uh, we care about it, at least the good comics, the people who love it and, We'll do this no matter what. And so I just wanted a podcast to express that, you know, and it's not just the, the unspoken rules anymore. It's also just about the journey itself. So like that's right. the most important thing is that we document our own journey. And, uh, you know, I try to show people that it's going to be rocky at times and that you're not going to know what you're doing. And that's okay. That's all part of it. So that's, that's it, man. It's all about the passion of this. What was one of your favorite topics that you've covered so far? Ooh man, that's a good one. Let's see. What what was it? I liked a lot because uh, the hang. I talked about like the best thing about being comic is is looking back on like eating at at horrible diners or those long car rides, and in that car ride you you figure out comedy and just where it's going and what makes you love it. Um, what's another sneaky one? Ooh, I think the I really like the one where I talked about my first time because I think everyone remembers their first time doing it. Oh, I just saw that. Like, I just saw that one. Yeah, that's. Uh, I need to listen to that. I'm a little behind. 
that did look good. They're going to conquer the world. Everyone thinks they're going to conquer the world after their first time. It's like the greatest feeling in anyone's life. Oh, I don't know. My fir- my fir- well, actually, you know what? I take that back. My first time I did think I was going to conquer the world. I was going to say something else, but now that you mention it, yeah, I thought I was pretty thrilled. Because they left me on stage for like nine minutes. I was supposed to do five. And they left oh, me up there. And, and I was like, oh, I can do this. <laughs> I'm, I'm great. I can hold the stage. It's no problem. You know, the audience is my friends. And, of course, they're going to be nice. And it was all fine. And it was, it was a first-timer show. And, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a traditional club. And it was like, yeah, it went well. Of course it went well. Things were, things were set up to go well. This wasn't, a, this wasn't like a real comedy show. I mean, it was in the sense that I had to write jokes and I had to be ready and everything. But, you know, it was uh, – I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. That, that happened to me like my third time. Everyone at the restaurant I worked at, the open mic was like just like two blocks away. So we pile it in, and it would start like at midnight on a Saturday or 11. And so I got everyone from this restaurant, and I go on, and I do the worst set ever. Uh, I ain't going to lie. I did 10 minutes on, like, lesbians because you're like a young kid, and you're watching porn, and you think – I mean, it's very embarrassing. It's incredible. I, I, I wish I could punch myself in the face for this set. And the set crushed with these people, and I thought I was the greatest comic of all time. And – uh, and I started getting a little arrogant, and there's people who are actually trying to grind in Las Vegas, which is a difficult place to do comedy, and I couldn't understand why they thought I was a dick, and uh, now I understand. I had like 40 <laughs> people there laughing no matter what I say. I couldn't understand why they why they thought I was a dick, but now I understand. That's uh, That's some perspective right there. That's pretty good. That's definitely pretty good. Yes, so I got I got a couple of questions from the Displaced Comedians Facebook group. Um, do you think virtual what? shows are going to stick around when the pandemic ends? That's interesting. I think there's a chance of it. I think people are going to like it. I think they've gotten better. I've really enjoyed the last few ones I've done, and I did like a corporate one type thing that was kind of fun. I think there's a chance to. I think I, I think there's a you you might see people not go and travel as much anymore. And you might find like that this will be a way to do more corporate gigs. I have a feeling. Yeah. I I mean, I I feel like there's definitely going to be less corporate travel. And I know the the Monday night show that I do that you did, you did um, what show for me that uh, there's people who come from like Ireland and I'm in New York. They're coming from Pennsylvania. You know, they're coming from, Colorado they're coming from all over the place and I feel like you know why not like you know maybe it's like it's not going to be as many but I think there's probably still going to be room for some you know and why not let's just do it like that's one I'll be happy that I'm doing mine on Monday night Monday night is not a night that there's there's typically a ton of comedy I mean there's some but not as much so I feel like you know it's an off night yeah let's keep it going I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on sale for for a bunch of weeks and see what happens and it's a way, like, I think if you get, like, a big audience, I think you're going to see people do shows, maybe not, like, every week online like that, but you could do, like, once a month and get people to come see you, and you could do, like, 20 minutes or whatever, or do some crowd work with their heads. Like, I think there's something to be done with it, man. I'm kind of intrigued by it. I mean, people I mean, are so dismissive. But it's well, like, I was going to say, what do, you think, what do you think of the people who say, like, I'm not doing Zoom shows? I tell anyone, 
try it. Like, uh, you're man, here's an episode I did recently that I love. I love the episode cover when I went to uh, play in the subway. And that show could have easily been horrible. And if I do it again, the next time could be. But, like, you learn about yourself by doing these. How do you – my grandma grew up in Germany and was poor, promised herself. And then after, when she got older, dirt poor again, she couldn't eat. There would be days where she couldn't eat. And so anything she ate, she was grateful for. She promised herself that whatever uh, – she would try anything at least once. Because she owed it to herself after starving. So, like, we've all been starving for stage time. I mean, this is different, but still, this is something that completes us. Now you're being offered some uh, place to perform. You owe it to yourself to try it, you know, and you don't know what you're going to get out of yourself. You're gonna, you might find a different gear you didn't have, and you might find a different way to do this art form that you love so much. And that's kind of cool, I think. So I think everyone – I don't mind anyone trying the Zoom shows or anything different and not liking it and going, that's not – the comedy for me, but I find it silly that people won't try it because of their principles. Silly. Like, comedy always morphs. It used to be vaudeville. It used to be burlesque. We used to perform in cabarets. We used to, you know, everyone used to use the same jokes. And then people started writing. I mean, there's always a changing. So you're just going to stay with what you learned at first? just seems silly to me. I just feel like this is what we got right now. You know, like not all yeah. of us are there, – there's not out – you know, there, some people are, you know, some people are lucky enough they're doing outdoor shows, and that's great. But some of us, it's not – you know, we're not getting that. So my feeling is what are you doing? Like are you, are you just sitting around watching Netflix all day? I mean, you know, some people say, well, I'm writing. And it's like, well, you can write and do Zoom shows. It's not like one that precludes the other. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, like you're saying, what are you doing during the day? <laughs> So you might as well do something. There's elements of punk rock to all this, man. There's so much DIY, like a park show. That's punk. A Zoom show. All right, all you need is a link. I'm going to send you the link, and at 11 o'clock, you jump on the link, and some people can come see us from anywhere. That is so insanely punk. It's awesome. It's, it's, you can put a club anywhere, and all you need is a link on a computer. Dope. So dope. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I just decided I'm doing a show. I was like, you know, and then I, I talked to Felicia at Westside Comedy Club. She was like, let's do it together. I said, great, that's terrific. And, you know, it's been going since quarantine happened, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. We get people. That's the thing is if people I are coming, I, I feel like if people are coming, that's where you know it works. Like if, if nobody, if nobody yeah. was coming, I wouldn't keep doing it. But if I'm getting an audience, you know, it's like, let's just, why not? What, what are we, who are we hurting? You hurt nobody, baby, and you get to work the muscle a little, and so people leave with laughs. That's pretty dope. Yeah, I think that's good stuff. I think that's good stuff. So um, let me ask you, do you have any pre-show rituals? Oh, man. Yes. It's it's almost <laughs> embarrassing. Have you done an episode so on that I, yet? That sounds vaguely familiar. But now okay. I, I think I could have gone more in depth. I think we'll do some revisits to some topics at some time. Um so I like to walk before, so like somewhere between 45 minutes and a half hour, I like to take a nice 20 to 30 minute walk and listen to music. Or if I can't, then I'll be pacing around listening to music and I have to convince myself to not care when people are staring at me. Uh, like if, when I do warm up for a taping, I can't really leave the set. So I just have to be the crazy person and just walk around. I like to get myself warmed up and in a groove. 
So I have to find the right music. I try to think of uh, what my body wants. You know, you know they say with eating, you got to listen to your body. Uh, so I try to do that. Um, I drink caffeine. I take CBD about an hour and a half before. <coughs> I take Excedrin about an hour and a half, two hours before. And then right before I go on stage, I take uh, B12 gummies and, like, uh, emergency or elderberry gummies. I mean, this sounds insane. I sound equal parts like a 16-year-old maniac and, like, an 85-year-old. So there it is, everybody. Elderberry gummies. That's hardcore. Yeah, dude. It, it was emergency, and then I found these. Uh, and so I take those at the same time as B12, and then I go right on stage. And hopefully at that point I'll – it all just hits in together, and I'm ready. And so you do that for every show? Or at least my first show of every night. And then uh, oh, if I have oh, multiple okay. yeah. shows. Oh, okay, yeah. You wouldn't want to be hit. Yeah, that could, that could get a little nuts. So is the, the Excedrin is for the caffeine? Yeah, a little extra caffeine. I used to only do that, like, on weekends, but now that there's less shows, I just kind of do that. Because it's like, all right, I, I used to treat it as, like, a big show thing, just a little extra caffeine than the coffee or whatever I'm drinking before and for focus and all that. That's something I learned from doing like warm up. They'd have like Excedrin on the set and I pop those and like, Oh, this is great. Now I kind of feel like I'm a baseball player in the nineties. No, it's not a big deal. I just put a little shot in my ass and I can hit a home run. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Well, nothing you're doing. I'm never going to go to the hall of fame. Little little CBD, little B12, little, you know, you're not, uh, you're not getting to the bully, you know, like Alex Rodriguez was up to. You're nothing crazy. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait till someone after this interview. I'm gonna get all kinds of DMs. Hey, man, you know, if you like that, I can help you with this. Right, exactly. <laughs> Let's. Uh, why don't you try the real stuff? Gummies. Screw the gummies. Why don't you have some edibles? I feel. Yeah, I see. Become, uh, edibles and, and cocaine is what I'm gonna offer after this. Like, what? what yo, those are bush league numbers, dog. You, <laughs> what about what about drinking? Do you ever drink before you go on stage? Very rare. Um, sometimes, like if you're doing a bunch of shows, I might have it. There's a, a slight occasion where I might have a drink before one show. Very rare. I think an AC I did, and I think I did on Valentine's Day. I think we were out to eat, and I was like, "All right, man, I I, I could have a meat though, with a lunch, with our late lunch." Um, Sometimes if I'm hosting, I might start drinking after I basically got the headliner on or the last act on. But I, I like to have my druthers when I'm performing. Uh, when I started, I used to have, like have a shot before I go on, and that just becomes a mess. I don't want to be dependent on that. I know it sounds silly after I just told you about 85 things I put in my body before I go on stage, but I just th- never wanted to like rely on alcohol to be funny. That's that is my concern. Like I I have done it, but not too much, and I specifically avoided it because I didn't want to like it. I didn't want to get it in my head that I needed this okay. in order to be funny, and because I just felt like that was a dangerous road to go down. Yeah, and I I, I grew up loving like Sam Kennison and all that. You see those documentaries, and the troubles really picked up once he realized he could perform, at least a few, you know, a handful of times, uh, hammered like look man i didn't drop the ball and that's a bad sign and then you'll you won't correct that habit so i never wanted that how do you know since you brought him up i'm just curious how do you think kennison's comedy holds up today because somebody was slamming him on a facebook forum and i was like this is one of the greats 
you know, you, you kind of, you, you know, you don't have to love what he's, everything he did, but you kind of got to respect what he was doing, right? I think that's the way to do it. Uh, I, the whole body of work doesn't hold up as well. I think he got caught up in, like, the rock stardom of it and doing coke and, and uh, drinking and the lifestyle and just appealing to that one audience. I think his first special, that HBO special, is amazing, really great. And I think there's certain bits throughout the years that was really cool and elements of the rock star stuff. Like, I hate it. I, I hate admitting I love I, – I could watch the Wild Thing video 100 times in a row. I, I don't care. It's a great some video. Of covers were great. It's a great, great video. His cover of Under My Thumb's great. And when he does Are You Lonesome Tonight. Oh, I, didn't, I don't know that one. On I don't, I've never heard that. Yeah. And when he do a, uh, Are You Lonesome Tonight on Carson and then does that scream at the end where he's yelling at his ex. Is amazing. He actually had pain he, from heartbreak. And unfortunately, now you look back at it, a lot of it ends up being uh, misogyny and, and sexism. Which yeah, sucks. that that was uh, that's where, I mean, I get where people are coming from because it's, it's a little bit like, ooh, that's not so good. Yes. Yes. But um, I think if he really would have cared more and wouldn't have got caught up in stuff, he barely scratched the surface, I think. That's the sad part. I think he could have been better. I think he probably did less of a job as a comedian after that special blew up. But who am I to judge? You know, but like, I still love that first special and I love the energy. And you can just hear him randomly or see a clip and it just gets you fired up. That voice was a tool. Him being a preacher was a tool. And it's pretty cool. But I don't get mad at anyone who's like, I don't get him. I don't think he's great. Because I... I almost feel like he was an athlete that uh, had a good season or two and then just kind of coasted. Oh, Does interesting. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's, you know, actually, that's actually very fair. Yeah. Like, Shaq is great. So Shaq might be, like, not the perfect analogy, but, like, Bill Simmons, the writer, always said that Shaq was, like, the A student who just basically coasted with Bs, but a couple years he actually cared and had an A. And I think, like, Kenneth and – Kinnison's probably someone who could have just had A's and coasted and probably got, like, C-pluses for years, if that makes sense. Right. Okay. Because, um, yeah, the, see, that kind of nuanced conversation gets lost a bit online, I think. Like, the, it's usually more, you know, how could anyone have ever thought this was funny? And it was like, eh, you know, it was a different time. You know, I always, point to, I always point to, you know, it's, you know Eddie Murphy's albums, and, there, you know, there's obviously some stuff on there that's untouchable, and there's some stuff that even he admits is just like, you know, I, I, I wish I'd never done that. Like, it's just, it's too cringy. Yeah, I mean, these are people being captured in their early 20s. I mean, Eddie with, uh, with Delirious was, what, like 19 or 20? 19, yeah, 19, and not even old enough to drink. Yeah, and all that. It's embarrassing. I'm not going to say that I didn't say ignorant stuff in my early 20s. I mean, I did, and it's embarrassing. And I'm lucky that I didn't wear a red suit and get filmed, and it's still out there where people can buy. So I'm very fortunate. And some people weren't fortunate enough that it's out there. And and we get to watch their mistakes that they made. Right. Yeah, and now they're, and they're on Spotify. So, yeah. It's real easy to listen to. It's not even, you don't even have to dig that hard. I mean, and obviously it's also on YouTube and it's everywhere else. So, um, oh, yeah. All right, so let's go. Let's go over a couple of the episodes that uh, that I thought were interesting on Commissioner of Comedy. Is it the comedian's job to handle hecklers? And now you you had a you had a very interesting take on this. You said no, right? 
I did say no. It is a bonus if you can handle them, but it's not your job. And I lost some people. <laughs> I lost followers on social media. Really? I well, uh, because it was an it, because it was an interesting take. Like I thought I I didn't so much disagree with you, but I think it's harder yeah. when you're a newer comic. To have to handle it yourself, or to have someone. Well, well to hand. Well, I think the expectation is there. Like I was, I was in a club once. I think you were hosting yeah. the show, and Corey okay. Kahaney was pissed about one someone in the crowd, and she said, "Brett, go tell them I'm not happy." And I, you know, and I got up and I went and I got someone. I can't do that, you know. Like I'm not in. I'm not mm-hmm. in a position to to go call the manager. Like if, if I'm do if I'm doing a set and somebody's messing with me then i'm just going to have to deal with it i don't think anyone's going to come and look come and help me so if they don't that is them trying to give you a baptism by fire i guess Um, okay you all everyone has the right to not have their jokes stepped on it it's it's so difficult what we do like mark DeBeo told me years ago when everything is perfect what we do is still difficult when the lights are perfect when the mic isn't too loud when the crowd's drinking but not drunk when the servers are whispering the drinks all of that it's still incredibly difficult now you change any of it uh, just a, a just a smidge either way this thing that's already difficult becomes incredibly uh nearly impossible i i think it's insane that people go to a show pay money and then want to talk to the uh, uh to the comedian and to do their thing and interrupt the person doing their job. It, it seriously is like smacking the hair, sorry, smacking the scissors out of the hands of the people cutting your hair. It makes no sense yeah. to me. I find it so rude and counterproductive and despicable. And it's their ego. It's people trying to get themselves over. Well, you should go to an open mic and write and do all the stuff that we went through to get here. It's really a smack in the face. Um, and if we allow it to happen, what happens is people do think it's part of comedy. I had a comedian in England who I've never met, um, followed me on Facebook years ago, I don't know why, and was trying to like, I hate to use this term, but it felt like comedians playing. It felt like he didn't know who I really was and how long I've been doing this and stuff. And it was, tr- it was, it was so condescending. He's like, if you can't handle a heckler, you have no business being a comedian and oh, Jesus. he was like at one point was like you must be a new guy right and i'm like no nah, man uh i'm almost 20 years and he was like trying to explain to me how tv tapings go and it's like cool um i probably like work some of the tv tapings that you've watched and that you like like just like uh we pay, like i try to explain to him ultimate the ultimate goal for most comics right is to be, like be on tv and to do a tv set right or like an hour special no one like could you imagine yelling at a taping? No well, is one he, was is he was he saying TV. heckling happened at TV tapings? Well, no, uh, I ended up telling him I'm like, okay, so if it's part of the game, then how come you never see him on specials? How come you don't when the new Kevin Hart comes out? Most of the time, you don't hear like the crowd yelling shit and him dealing with it and keeping heckles in. He's like, and he was like, TV tapings are a select group and there's a warm up and all this. You must be new to the business, but. Like, I'm like, yeah, there is that, but also pay money to see that. People are paying to see the artists do their material. And this guy's argument was like, nope, that's theater. That's the actor. You are confusing what a comedian and actress. No, oh, my God. I'm telling you what comic is. Wow. Yeah, that was comedian planning. Yeah, that, that was definitely comedian planning. 
Yeah, and it's like really weird. I got heckled once a day. A friend of mine died, and I, I remember telling the bouncer, keep an eye. I won't be able to handle any heckling today. Please. And this guy went at me, and I went at him hard, and um, this dude ended up apologizing, and his apology was, I'm sorry, dude. My friend told me, though, that this was a club that encouraged uh, heckling. And it's like, nope, no one told you that. Shut up. But hmm. I think people think that. I think people see a comic handle the heckler, and it works out. We both look good. And then people are like, oh, yeah, man, heckling's awesome. And so, like, being skilled at it can sometimes work against the whole community. If one person can really handle it, then it's expected for you or someone who just started three months in. And I don't think it's fair to everybody. Everyone has different styles and energies and should be allowed to do their thing. Like, Mitch Hedberg couldn't handle Heckler, so is he not a real comic? He's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, sure. Crazy. Because, well, with him, his his act is, you know – it's so, I mean, it's, it's one-liners mostly, you know, like he's really, he's, you know, he's, he's not just like having a conversation. He's really doing very set bits and you, you heckle that, that's just going to be ruined. Yeah. It's like when you go to like see a band that's electric, you can have chatter and talk during their songs, but like you go to see someone acoustic, they're going to rightfully tell you to shut up. I was at that famous, concert in vegas where neil young almost walked off and then he didn't return to vegas for like 15 years and he's like you guys paid a lot of money to hear these songs why won't you let me play these songs so you can hear them and there's a difference and like um, mitch hedberg is the acoustic guitar player yeah that makes a lot of sense that's a good analogy i like that i like that no i everything you're saying makes sense i feel like the one thing that I would counter with is it's probably a good thing to have because, you know, how quickly is the bouncer going to get there? You know, especially when sure. you're just starting out and especially like, like, or like a bar show, like a bar show is not going to have a bouncer. So if yeah. you're, you know, if you're doing that, it probably, I mean, is it not reasonable to say that you, that you kind of have to be able to deal with it at least to some extent? To some extent. Absolutely. But, the, I think the producer needs to be the one shushing those people, and and it's sometimes even the host. You know, sometimes it's comics. We have to police that room even when we're, when we're not on stage for each other. I mean, like, anyone disrupting the show's got to go. I don't care. And, yes, it's tough when there's not a bouncer. But, you know what I mean? Here's another old analogy. I always love that scene in Full Metal Jacket where he's like, look, the, the drill sergeants, I, I can't. Everything I'm doing is not working. Um, you guys are being punished for him screwing up, so now you have to govern yourselves. And then in the middle of the night, they hit the dude with socks full of soap. Sometimes the audience itself or the other comics have to be the ones to uh, hit the guy in the, in the, who's doing wrong to the show with the uh, socks full of soap. Hmm. Okay. Um, this is another one that I really like. No one cares how much you are killing. This one really affected me because I feel like on social media, you're always supposed to be bragging and that doesn't really jive with that. I'm not, I, I like, I agreed with everything you said, but let's talk about that yeah. a little bit because I, because it was that one, that one seems right. antithetical to the way we live now. Yeah, it is. And, um, I don't know, man, the old school ways, you just kind of do it. You, you kind of be like an athlete, you know, act like you've thrown a touchdown pass before. 
And I had a discussion with my good friend Nico. Nico disagreed, and that was good because, you know, we have like 15, 20 years difference in our age, so it's like good to hear that perspective of why people do that. Um, I really hate to see people just screaming about how they killed because I don't believe it. I just feel if you have to keep telling people that you're killing, that you probably aren't. Because it's kind of like your job, right? Your job is to be good at this or at least decent. You're not going to kill every time because that just doesn't work out that way. But your job when you go on the stage is to be effective and to get laughs and to be who you are in that moment. And so you're just doing your job. It's really crazy. So what, you're going to do 20 sets in a week? Are you going to go on Facebook or Instagram after every set and be like, I crushed this one? It's like, okay, we get it. That's what you're supposed to do. And so that was – and then everyone has to brag about where they get passed. It's so insane. People show a picture of them playing to like eight people in a park pass. It's like, okay, dude, it's just a park. You didn't really accomplish everything. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. And I, but also, I feel like it can be it can be obnoxious. Like you're, you're, you know, you you you're sitting, you know, like, hey, I just got this, I just got this, and it's sort of like, okay, and I got I got t- turned down for that, you know, like it's yeah. just, it can be it, it can get rude. Yeah, it, and you should be proud of things, and I'll post some things here and there once in a while, but uh, I don't know, man. It, I think it's rare if you ever hear me say like I killed. It'll be like maybe in a story, if it serves a story, I'll be like, all right, this night was really special and everything was electric and I crushed. But like, there's people who do that about every set and make every set sound like they like they're Jordan in Game Six hitting the game winner, and it's like they all can't be that. They all can't. Right. If everything is the greatest of all time. Then nothing is the greatest of all time. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. So um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you for some crowd work tips because you're so good at it, and I would I would like to get better at it, and I know a lot of people would like to get better at it. So what are some ways, some methods that you can offer us to uh, to get better at crowd work? It's just like – so I try to convince myself not to worry about even being funny. It's just like be in the moment and just react. It It is a lot like what they teach you in acting school, like – Acting is reacting. I think a lot of times um, we try to jump on what people are saying. And I'm just trying to find the truth, whether when I'm looking at someone and just kind of reporting it, oh, man, you look like this. Just trying, not trying to be funny, just like what my gut tells me. You look like you did this. That is always better than in my head I go, oh, this is going to be funny if I say this, of how they look. I just take a glance and just caught in the moment or when I – when someone's saying something to me, I just take a step back and let them say it and then just react to what they're saying and see where my head goes first. I just try to trust my instincts. I think we get in trouble when we don't. It's kind of like an, imp- like an improv they tell you. like It's yes and, and also the truth. What is the truth in the moment? Don't worry about being funny. Just worry about being in that moment. So that's like what I try to do. And I fail <laughs> a lot, but it, it has worked a bit. Because, I mean, with what I always find is that there's the longer I go without a laugh, the more nervous I get. And then, and then of That's course, everybody. the more nervous you are, the less, good, the less good you are. Absolutely. Yeah, we, and we've all gone through that. Um, one of the keys is to, like, remind yourself, you know, sometimes you're mining for a laugh, you know. I don't think we necessarily need a laugh every 20, 30 seconds or whatever sabermetrics uh, they have figured out. 
<laughs> well, we need love for be three point two. So, and a lot of the times, the people who tell you that a lot of those are, are super hacks, and so they just put hacky stuff in their set, and they they're killing, but they're really not saying anything. There's no real point of view, or it's a point of view that's been done a million times by like your uncle who's drunk on Thanksgiving. So, what's the point of going to see that? Like sometimes you mine for the laughs, and sometimes you're more like a, a power hitter. Sometimes, like you're going to take chances and you might strike out. And you might only go one for four, but that one's going to be a home run. Like you, that laugh you get by waiting is bigger than any like combination of laughs. Oh, oh, the other guy got five laughs in a minute, but I got one. But that one laugh is better than all five of those combined. And I think that's worth going for. Hmm. I like that. I like that. I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to do better at that because that's. Um... That's definitely that's definitely a skill that like I don't have any problem talking to people. That's never been an issue, yeah. but 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 developing it into where it where it does eventually lead to a laugh. That's you know that's just trickier and 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 also I think trusting that eventually it'll get there, which is uh, which is something that I have trouble with. Yeah, it, and we all do, you know. Like so, I I read during the day too. That's part of like the prep, preparation. I like I read a lot of comics in it, and I listen to like instrumental music and a lot of like jazz and avant jazz, and that just kind of gets me into patience, into things just build, and it's okay to build to something, and sometimes there'll be lull getting to it, but there there will be a payoff. You just have to wait for it. Hmm. That's good advice. That's really good advice. All right. Uh, real quick, someone asked me to ask you this. How do you make a living in comedy, and how long does it take to get to that point? Man, I think everyone's is different. Like, I was making a little bit of cash here and there for a while. It t- I probably could have done this full-time a year earlier if I really wanted to, or maybe even two, but I kept waiting because I kept seeing my grandpa who raised me say, stupid, it's free money. Do both jobs. You're, you're getting away with it. And then um, it ends up being a leap of faith sometimes. I always tell people, don't just do it. Don't just be like, oh, I, I think I'd get more work if I quit this job. Well, are, are you turning down offers? No. Is there something you didn't get because you had the job? No. Okay. Then wait till you know you can make a living or even a decent struggle. Like, I wasn't making much that first year, but I knew I could survive off it. I went and did the math of everything. I was like, okay, I'm making this amount in comedy pretty consistently so i think i should probably uh take a chance now but i've seen people just like you know it'd be so great if i just uh quit my six-figure job as a teacher in new jersey and (laughs) just i'm sure i'll be on tv in three weeks like are you out of your mind yeah that's no good james this has been great i don't want to stop but i don't want to stop we're going to get cut off um tell everyone where they can find you online B. James Madden on the Instagrams and all that, Commissioner Comedy uh, podcast. Check that out, man. It is, it'll motivate you, baby. You'll run through walls. And I believe I'm waiting for the date, but sometime in April will be my new album, dog. So check that oh, out. Oh, nice. Check spot. I, I, I do uh, a question and answer while people pay their bill at the comedy show. It's nice. A real bad I can't wait to hear that. So check. It'll be interesting, dog. So check all that right, out, that's man. great. Uh, Commissioner Comedy on all podcast platforms. I'm Brett Singer. You can find me at brettsinger.com, at the Brett Singer on social medias. And we'll be back next week. And please stay safe.